This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win, order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of... This place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. You are watching and listening to Chris and Lester Till I Die TV on YouTube. And your favorite podcasts. Hi, everybody. Jerry Taggart here. Now be sure to watch Chris and Lester Till I Die TV by subscribing on YouTube and following them on social media for all the latest Leicester City news and information. Come on you foxes! You are watching Lester Till I Die TV with Chris and Chums. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. All you need for everything Leicester City FC. Right, Chris. All right there. All right at the back. How are you? Good evening. Nice to join. Nice of you to join us. It's a pleasure to see you. You are so, so much better than last week's audience. How are you? How are you? Uh, uh, a double night for me tonight, and my wife used to say, yeah, you can never do two in a night, Chris. <laughs> yeah, you should have stuck with me, you see. How are you all? How the devil are you? Welcome along to a brand new show that we've got this evening. Um, you may remember we had this guy on quite a lot last season. He really knows his stuff. X-Fox, Julian Watts, um, and he's going to be here with us work and personal life, allowing every Tuesday at nine o'clock to discuss all things football, because I'm a fan and I see things as, as a fan does. Professionals see it 
probably better than us, to be honest with you, and certainly, certainly fairer. Um, good evening to Ankit. How are you, sir? Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, get over to his channel, Ankit Blues FC. It's a great channel. He does cricket as well, but don't let that put you off. Don't let that put you off. It's it. Of course, the one thing about cricket, it's probably not as bad as golf. Didn't say that out loud, did I, Julian? <laughs> We've managed to get him out the 19th hole. Good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, Chris. You all right? I am very good again. Thank you very much. Terry, I'm glad you've come back. Hello again. Hi, Julian. I hope you've got Hi, Terry. I got changed from earlier just so it looks, you know, more professional. Terry, I forgot to put your last message up to um to uh to Brad. So you're gonna have... Terry's got an amazing dog story about Brad, but I don't think we wanted to go too far down. It involves a lamppost, I think. So we'll we'll leave it as that, shall we? But every week we're going to uh, be looking back at the past week. We're going to be a bit of a catch up this week with it being the first one. But looking at all things, I say Leicester City from um, the uh, it, from a professional's point of view, because actually you do see things sort of differently than than, than us fans. I think so, Chris. Yeah, when you're involved in the game, obviously you do get a, a very, very different uh, perception of it and probably understand it a lot better, and that's without being rude. But, um, yes. yeah, you, you've got different eyes on it and you pick up on different things. And I think, with the, you know, you're not always looking at the ball, which I think supporters are always looking at the ball and watching that. Sometimes yes. as footballers, you're sort of looking around and seeing what's happening around the ball. So sometimes we can spot a, a few things differently, but it, it doesn't mean to say that we know any more. <laughs> oh, you do. Believe <laughs> you me, you do. Uh, well, let, let's get in, and we're going to have sort of we're going to break it down into a few sections. And at the end, if anybody's got any questions for Julian about Leicester uh, or, or what's happened in football this past week, stick it in the uh, comments, and we'll try and bring a few up at the end if you, if you've got any at all. But we're going to start with this. Um, so it just sort of got my um, me, me spitting my dummy out the pram. Um, Leicester start to the season. We're currently down there in 14th at the moment. Uh, Arsenal sort of are above us. And we've been screaming out as fans for a bigger squad, for you know, extra cover for Jamie Vardy, you know, cover at the back because you know we want you know, Chilwell went and Fuchs has now left. We've now got that, we've gone out and made these new signings, but like I say, 14th this time last year. We were fourth, and this, you know, the, sorry, it was fifth, I think, and before that, the season before that, we were fourth. And no disrespect to the teams we've played, but at the start of the season, I looked at that and thought, "Wow, what a great start!" You know, we can, we can. There's teams there that we can get points against. You know, Wolves. All right, we did, but it was very, very lucky. West Ham. Well, let's be honest with you. The less said about that game, the better, you know. Uh, Norwich, I mean, to say where Norwich are, we scrape past them thanks to sort of VAR. Um, all right, Man City beat us, but I think we actually played well. Brighton, it was difficult to beat Brighton. You know, 11 men are F and VAR, but we'll come on to that later. And we were lucky against Burnley. And for me, I look at that star and say, there, there are teams we should we should be beating. What's going to happen when we come up against the Chelsea's and the Liverpool's and the Man United's? Would you not have expected, looking at that and looking at our past couple of seasons, that we should be sort of a lot higher up than we are? I would. We we've 
you know, especially with the summer with the FA Cup and, and the Community Shield, what great, you know, performances and results they were. Uh, and, and then it was, I think it's all the, the hopes and the expectations we had, even though we sort of uh, slightly dipped out on, on last season. Um, you know, we're all expecting a, a much quicker start. And I don't think we've got going, if I'm honest with you. Um, mm. One of the things that I, I think that stands out for me so far, and I've only had limited view into some of the games, is that we yeah. we, we were sort of forced into a, a formation last season. Um, and it and it worked really well for us, especially in that middle bit of the season when we struggled mm. with the injuries. Uh, and, and I think it was only against Millwall the other night that we actually went back to it. And it's been... For me, is that the main reason? It, it may be not. You know, there are other reasons to it. Obviously, we had the Perez sending sending off and things like that happen in games, and they you know change the course of games. But we don't really seem to know what formation we want to play. We've started off with a four-two-three-one, gone to a four-three-three. We've had a one go at a four-four. It was a four-four-two, mm-hmm. but it was like Madison in behind. And then eventually last night uh, against Millwall, we go to the 3-5-2. And albeit it's Millwall, but it's a clean sheet and we score two goals, uh, you know, with a weakened team. So, yeah, it's a bit underwhelming uh, of a start. We have to bear in mind that Premier League is a fantastic league. We have to bear in mind that West Ham finished ever so strongly last year. And also Brighton have started really well this year. I mean, that could just be a flash in the pan and we'll see how far that goes for them. Um, So the two teams that we've struggled against that we thought would be are maybe in a better place than us form-wise. Um, but for me, it's finding the right for- formation that suits the players that we've got. And when you've got the likes of Barnes and Perez, you know, it is difficult mm. in the in the 3-5-2. But sometimes you have to find uh, the best formation and, and maybe disappoint one or two of your so-called star players. I mean, this is it. I mean, I asked the question, two, well, two parts to a question, really. Does... Rogers have his favourites, and as in you know we we you know Perez and I think I think it was Rob Tanner from the Athletic that that said to me, you know Perez probably isn't as bad as a lot of players think he is, but he's maybe mm-hmm. not as good as <laughs> Brendan thinks he is. But does he have his favourites, or is he just unable to to drop? And I've seen you know yes he dropped Madison on on Saturday, but are some players undroppable under Rogers? <laughs> They, uh, they shouldn't be, but I, I mean, yeah. I think I think one of the things that we get with managers is when they spend a lot of money on a player. You know, it, it is a statement where you you know you've you've done your homework, you've brought that player in, you've spent the club's you know money and a lot of it, and you probably think you need to give him that loyalty. Um, you know, to to come through and and show that they're worth the money and show that your judgment's right as much as anything else. You know, many a manager has probably been dismissed on the fact of one or two bad signings because it stands out like a sore thumb that, you know, Mm. they're making these decisions, bringing these players in and they've been a total flop. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, uh, Perez has, but I do think it is finding uh, that position for him because I've always thought Perez is a classic number 10, as is Madison. Probably can't have two in a team unless you really rejig the formation. Uh, And at the moment, I mean, the other week we played a 4-3-3 with Madison in the top three. I really don't see how that works either because... Mm. Playing a 4-3-3, I'm not sure where you can play Madison unless it's in the middle three. But I think we need to have that strength that we had, I think, with uh, Tielemans uh, and Ndidi and maybe Samari. So, yeah. you know, it's difficult to place him there. And he made the brave decision on Saturday to, you know, to not play him. Um, and, and I think he's going to have to find, he might need to do a bit more of that because behind that, it seems that the team uh, fairly, you know, more or less picks itself. And it's just yeah. getting that top edge right. And, you know, and we're not scoring a lot of goals. And that's the 
you know, the place on the pitch where it really isn't working for us so far. And I think Daily Mail said, you know, um, as many as Jamie Vardy scoring at one end, it's not hiding the problems we've got in the defence at the back. And I know we have got defensive problems. You know, Evans doesn't look like he can string two games together this season, yeah. you know, with his illness. And, you know, he, 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 he's no string chicken anymore. Um, Vafana was, you know, unfortunate because of the... Um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? You know, he was unfortunately. Well, I say injury. It was more like a hacking down in the uh, Villarreal pre-season. But we had worse injuries. You know, we had more of our back four out last season than we have this season. Uh, so I, I can't see that as being excused. But you made a very good point earlier that we had a good formation that possibly Newcastle apart did us well at the back end of last season. You know, we had Barnes was injured. Madison was injured, and we've got, you know, we had to play in Acho and Vardy up front. And my God, didn't they, you know, didn't they do well? Yeah. Um, to, 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 to copy Bruce Forsyth saying. But why suddenly then, as you know, 18, up until the Millwall game, in Acho had had 89 minutes. And I didn't time that. I actually read it somewhere. I'm not sorry. He had 89 minutes this season. He was our top scorer last season. How does a manager go from having that brilliant, you know, formation, which he stumbled on? It wasn't the greatest tactical decision he made. He stumbled on it because of injuries. To then saying, "Well, I'm going to bring these players back." Can I go back to the is Madison brought back in just because he's Madison and Barnes when? You know, no matter how good you are, if the team's performing without you, you wait to get your chance. Yeah, you know, I, I sort of agree with that. And I, again, it goes back to the thing about the players and the formation. Is it the fact that, you know, those players do come back? Because without Barnes and Madison, you play through the formation and the, you're not really upsetting anybody and you're not having to move anybody around because you've got your two strikers, you've got your three, um, you know, midfield players behind that. And it was a nice and, nice and strong formation. Uh, and that's the puzzling thing. But sometimes managers do prefer a certain way of playing. They'll have the way they set up against teams. And, you know, and if it is the 4-3-3 or is it the 4-2-3-1 as we started and, and the players coming back in did fit into that. But I think at some point you've got to see what's not working now and what worked for us last season. Um, and, mm. and, and again, I know we've had the injury problems at centre-halves and I'm not really one for playing players out of positions, but we're talking about real top-class professional footballers here. You know, mm. and I'm, I'm sure Ricardo could play on the right of a back three very, very comfortably. You know, we've got then Castagna and we've got, you know, either Bertrand or Thomas on the other side and we could go with that three. So I do think there are, you know, or Castagna could maybe do that. I don't think that's difficult for a, for a very good fullback to, to fit into that role either yeah. side of a decent centre-back. So that, for me, would be one thing I would be looking at, you know, right now. Obviously, we're hoping that, you know, Evans can sort of string some games together. Uh, yeah. I think Vestergaard's probably had a, a shaky start, you know, if I'm honest, looking at some of the goals we've conceded. Um, and, and and but that that for me is the immediate area, the formation, and and looking at that back three and how it would would find it most comfortably, uh, and I just mean, give us that that solid formation that we can hmm. go and win games from. Yeah, and and I agree totally. And I mean, Vestergaard wasn't somebody I know we'd, we'd been looking at him, we'd been linked at him for a few years, but I think it was an emergency buy, given the fact that that you know. Fafana had got injured when he did. Um, and it was nice to see that we went out and got got somebody in. Um, so it hasn't helped. So had a bit of a bad 
start as well, um, yeah. to put it mildly. It looks, and, you know, Craig Craig said this, you know, it's almost because I was saying, when, I mean, I don't know, let me ask you this, let me ask you this, Julian. As a player, when you're having a bad run of games, like, say, Soyuncu is, uh, or Madison was, do, do you want, I suppose you want to be dropped, that's wrong, but should a player be dropped to maybe given sort of, a bit of time away, away from the crowds, and or should he, as as with Brendan, he's just tweaked it by moving Soyuncu over to the right, and it seems to have sort of almost made him a better player because he's had to concentrate on the basics. Yeah, I think you know that's the managers. It's a big call for the manager, and I think a lot of it depends on the player because you could someone could be suffering a little bit with the confidence, having a few bad games or making mistakes, not having bad games but making mistakes in games that could be costly. I know all about that. Uh, yeah. If his if his confidence <laughs> is at a low ebb, and then you pull him out, it, it can really send him further the wrong yeah. way, and it it might be that you need to persevere with him. And that's where for me, a good manager is a man manager, and he will recognise that, or he will recognise that he can say to a player, "Listen, you're having a bad time." Uh, you know, let me just take you out of the firing line for a bit. We'll be okay for a couple of games. You're definitely going to come back in because you're in my plans and, you know, make him feel, you know, wanted. I've got a, a perfect example with myself when I was at Luton with Lenny Lawrence, who was a fantastic manager for myself. And I had two games on the bounce where I didn't, I, I, had, I had like 10 or 15 minute spells in both games where I made a couple of mistakes and I was a bit shaky. And he pulled me into the office and just went, you know, some managers would have dropped you by now. You know, and he started. He said, "You know, you you you're one of the cornerstones of the team. You just need to play through it. I've got every faith in you." Blah, blah. You know, and he, he did a bit of speech for 15 minutes. Did me the yeah. world of good, and I went on and had probably one of my better playing seasons. But another manager might have dropped me. You know, and yeah. that's the difference of the manager recognizing you know where you are at the time. I was 30, so I was old enough to to get over it myself. And again, you know. Um, you know, it, it it depends on the player's age. When they are younger, it is a lot more difficult, and you, you don't want to let them drown in the. If the team's having a bad time and the results aren't aren't great, they can take all that pressure on themselves as well as their performance has not been, you know, yeah. fantastic because they would know themselves, and then it can be it can be a bit overwhelming. And how I mean, you know, we've. We've heard the booing at the end of the game, unfortunately, at the weekend. And I don't, I don't like booing personally uh, because you know whether a player is playing good or bad, they don't set out to play bad. But you know that Madison didn't get a, 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 a very nice welcome onto the pitch when he was brought on for Luckman. Um, how does that affect you as a player, or do, are you are you able to switch off? And uh, you hear it, Chris. And again, it, it's really, really down to you. And it, if you are having a bad time, it can, you know, it, it's not the greatest thing in the world, obviously, yeah. uh, uh, to come onto the pitch into that situation. And some some players have got that supreme confidence where, you know, it just bounces off them and they really don't care. Uh, and some players, you know, they'll take it to heart. You know, hopefully they try and bit harder and they, and they can come through uh, the other side. But I think we've seen over the years, over the last 20 years, there's an odd player or two that's been to Leicester that it hasn't quite worked for. And, you know, it's a sorry tell for them. And I think mm. as players who've been to a few clubs, I mean, you know, there's there's a couple of players like Walsh and Leicester all his life. But I know for myself, you know, four or five clubs that you'll look back on a period and go, you know, that wasn't great then. That club for me, mm. you know, didn't work out. Yeah. That one did. That was great, but, but that didn't. And there's a lot of players who will go through that uh, experience in life. And I think it's a funny one because 
you know, the supporters feel like they want to vent their anger, they want to vent the frustrations. We've had a fantastic last five years or so, and the expectations, whatever we try and do, however we try and calm things down and say, listen, we're Leicester, it's a project, we're building. The fans still see that we're pushing for Champions League, we've won the FA Cup, we've won you know, the community shield and and it just lifts everyone up and, the, and they can't hide the disappointment, but it really is such a negative effect on the pitch, you know, yeah. the fans. But I, I understand that, you know, they work all week and they come, you know, to support the team. And if they feel like people are underachieving, then, you know, it, it's uh, it's a difficult one for, you know, pill for them to swallow. But I, I never feel that players aren't training, aren't trying hard. I think sometimes no. they can be in a bad place and a bit of bad form, and oh. it might mean that they don't really want the ball as much, and you know they're mm. not making the right movements to get in that position to get on the ball. But you know, seriously, the fans don't help that. But I understand no. both sides. I mean, I totally, you know, doing this, you know, when I do this all the time, I'll criticise players as much as the next ones. As fans, you know, A, if you go to the ground, you're paying your money uh, to see it. And as fans, you're hot. I mean, I, I obviously, I say I don't live in Leicester, so I don't have a season ticket now. But I buy the shirts. I, I probably, you know, buy all three shirts every year. So I commit to the club. But during the game and whilst I'm in the stadium, I'm 100% behind whatever player because nobody in any job goes out and goes, you know what, I'm going to have a stinker today. I'm not mm. going to bother, you know. Uh, or if you are, if you do, you soon found out and got away. But just to finish on, on this bit, on, on the start of the season, like I say, and, and you pointed out there, the more success you have, the, the higher expectations rise. And, you know, we've gone from, if you like, FA Cup winners to Premier League mediocrity in, in quite a few months. But in the past seasons, we were always looking over our shoulders, who's coming up behind us, who's coming up behind us. You know, we, we were in that top four, top five for every week, apart from, you know, unfortunately, the week it counted, the last week of the season. This season, Yes, we've got the new players in. Yes, expectations are high. But we're now going to have to come ourselves from behind. Do you think that will sort of, in some ways, be less pressure? It is. The only thing that I hope doesn't happen, and, and in this, in where we are now, we're, we're really sort of stuttering, I think is the best word for it. Like mm. you say, we, you know, we, we, we struggle across the line against... Norwich, who you think we should yeah. beat comfortably, as hopefully yeah. you know most most top sides should go there and beat them comfortably. You know they're uh, they're a team; they know exactly where they are. But we we should go to Carrow with all the confidence in the world and come away with a better result than we did. Um, yeah. And you would hope that that rut doesn't continue because then that can actually feed into the players' minds where every game that isn't a great game it can just ebb a bit more into the confidence, not just of individuals, but as the team as a whole. And you can find things a bit you know, edgy. Um, mm. But if we can push through that, then yeah, it's a matter It's a matter of obviously the new players bedding in, you know, a couple of good signings in there. You know, uh, Luckman, I've, I've been a fan of and I think he yeah. brings something else to the team. Um, and, and, and yeah, once Brendan gets the formation sorted, which he's happy with, and it might be one that he's got now and it's just not clicked yet. You know, you know, Madison's a great player. You know, he's just, he's had injuries last season. You know, he needs to bed himself in again, as do all the players and, and get back to it. Um, and hopefully then there we can begin to look forward and then start to claw points back. And like you say, you know, we're chasing people then and not worried about what's behind us. Exactly. Unless we get really dragged into a relegation fight. Right. Um, I, I agree with you with Luckman. I mean, you know, we've got the big names, the the Dakers and the Sumaris and what have you. But 
and, and I want to get excited by Luckman, but what's holding me back is the fact of, did we get too excited by the start for under? And then we found out that after four or five games, he'd peaked and gone down. But Luckman, no pun intended, looks the business. Yeah, I mean, I think with Luckman, it's a different scenario because uh, we've not seen under in a Premier League team. I think, you know, Luckman's been in a, a Premier League team that's got relegated. So they've been up against it week in, week yeah. out. And and to be fair, he pretty much shone in that team week in, week out, which is really yeah. difficult. And as a side that is battling every week to not concede, it's a, a totally different mindset to a top team in the league. You know, Pep Guardiola team, as we all know, they just go out and say, how can we win this game? At the other end yeah. of the league, it's like, you know, we really don't need to concede. The game plan is don't concede, stay in the game. Uh, but his ability, I think, more often than not, shone through. So in trying circumstances like that, I think he's looked uh, a good player. So I, it, just on the back of that and the bits I've seen of him uh, in a Leicester shirt, I think he's going to be a really good signing. Yeah. I'm also the, the, the one I think could be the signing of the summer for us, and that's uh, Ryan Bertrand. Because I think he's, he's, he's come in, he's free, uh, but he's got the experience. He can get the ball past the first player at free kicks and corners, yeah. which is something we've lacked. And, you know, in those sort of pre-season games, where there, was, there was no crowds. You could hear him, you know, shouting and talking. And it's, it's that leadership and that experience when we've not got Johnny Evans that, you know, yeah. he'll stand up and do that. Yeah, I, I think he's a very good signing. And as soon as he was mentioned, I thought, oh, if we could get hold of him, that's a fantastic bit. No one better for Luke Thomas to learn from and obviously, you know, hopefully play, maybe not alongside, but alternating. But, you know, learning from watching him and, you know, and coming into games himself. I mean, one of the ones I would have liked in the summer, I know people might think he's a bit past his best, but I would have liked Kale to, you know, to come in because if we're losing Johnny Evans, who's experienced, kale has got the same experience and a similar kind of player for me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, and I know he's, he's gone from uh, Chelsea to Palace. I still thought he did a good job at Palace. And I think his, his experience would have been invaluable now where you've got a new sign-in and Sayunchu, you know, and, yeah. and it, there's a lot of youth in there where it might have needed just that older head who's been there and done it just to talk through the game, like you've just mentioned with Ryan Bertrand. And I think he said he had Premier League offers, but I'd be amazed if... Leicester went in for him and he said no and went to Bournemouth instead. Yeah. So, obviously, offers that did come in uh, didn't really float his boat. But I thought it was a big shame that we uh, didn't make a pitch for him. He might have only played 10, 15, 20 games this season, but they, they could have been vital games for us. And it, it might have given us a bit more stability in the start we've had. But, I mean, that's just, you know, hearsay. And we're well, I, I, I've got to I mean... I can understand him coming to Bournemouth is, uh, in a way because I live down here. So, I mean, it's a beautiful part of the country. So, if he fancies nice golden blue flag beaches and uh, and and not too bad a weather, not talking about today, then, you know, he's welcome down here. I, I agree with you 100%. I think he would have been perfect. Maybe we were offering him, if we, what, if we did offer him a, a, a contract, a long enough one. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, with, with I would have sooner had him on as a free because Vestavard... He's probably not going to play all the games. Once Fafana's fit, we know he's going to come oh. back in. But yes, Vestergaard's got the Premier League experience, but Cahill could have just brought so, so much to yeah. um, to the team. We're getting a few questions coming, which I say we'll, we'll, we'll save up until the end. Anthony, good evening. So how the devil are you? I know you're a Leicester fan, but was told you had a soft spot for Arsenal. I do have a soft spot for Arsenal. It's a swamp at the bottom of the garden. So <laughs> that's where uh, that's where my soft spot is. Um, Matthew, good evening. So how the devil are you? He's in Dublin tonight. Oh, Hi, I'm, in a, 
Having a few pints of Guinness, eh? <laughs> no, knowing, knowing you, Matthew. Uh, well, not if you're driving, obviously, but hopefully you parked up somewhere and, and got a few. Um, so moving on to, um, to, 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 to topic, topic number two. Uh, one thing that I have been really um, having a few rants about, so much so that I've had to create a special section for the post-match show called Chris's Rants, but it is VAR. Now, we can argue about individual decisions till the cow comes home, you know, and I think, you know, we've got consistency is lacking because what was the difference between Villa's goal against Man United that was allowed and, you know, Leicester's goal against Brighton that wasn't allowed? Apparently, it was because the linesman put his flag up for in our game and yeah. didn't put his. But what is the point of having VAR? They should be there looking at the goal. If it's yeah. a goal, if it's a penalty, they don't wait for. They should be looking at it anyway. Yeah. But what my point I want to ask you here, Julian, is is and people people said to me the other day said, oh, it will even up over the over the season. Well, it shouldn't because VAR should be getting these decisions right first time. When we look at the Brighton game, we got the penalty. Uh, not the Brighton game. Um, I can't remember what game it was now. Where we got we got the penalty um, against us, and Alan Shearer went absolutely mad as an ex-player. Andy on Dublin in match of the day. Uh, and I'm confusing myself now because I can't remember which game it was. It wasn't the Brighton game. I'm sure. Um, it might have been, no, or oh, the Bur- Burn was it Burnley? Anyway, one of them. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> We're having such uh, so many VAR discussions at the moment. Somebody will tell me there was a, there was a there was a questionable penalty. I think it was possibly Brighton actually. Um, and, went, 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 and he they couldn't believe it as ex-players. So what I am saying here is I don't think there's enough ex-players in the game now. I mean, your Premier League players. You know your, your your you know your top guys will end up at a Sky Sports, at a BBC, uh, at you know ESP or whatever. So they're they're sorted. But there's a lot of guys, and no disrespect to to, to these things, but there's a lot of guys from the Rochdales, the Oldhams, uh, and the Wickham Wanderers that don't have a career in football when they leave, but could be sat behind that camera looking at it as uh, Alan Shearer and Dion Dublin did as players. I think it was the handball. It was the handball that, that that we gave that he was being pulled down, so it couldn't have been a penalty. Alan Shearer saying Dion Dublin as ex-players saw that whoever this plonker was behind the camera at VAR, Mister Banks, he 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 maybe probably hasn't even kicked a ball in his life. Should we be having ex-players and should we be encouraging ex-players to get that because they understand the game? Well, firstly, forget Rochdale, Chris. I'll go, I'll go and do it myself if I got the chance. If, if I'm honest, no. was, yeah, you know, I, I do. I, I agree with that because I think I think what the the guys who uh, are judging on the VAR, are re- you know, looking at the instances of the app, and they're mm. actually going 100 by the rule book. And I know that you know it might sound wrong to go against it, but you know, it's never ever actually that black and white. So the guy who's given that penalty will just see it's hit his hand. Has it hit his hand? Yes, it has. Yeah. He's not even looking, you know, the, the, what happened before that. It's just, did it hit his hand? You know, it, there's another one that if it's in the penalty area and it hits your hand and it stops it going in, no matter what the circumstances, I think it's, uh, it's it, so it was like the Reese James one uh, mm. for with the, the Chelsea game. 
Uh, uh, was it Chelsea Man City? I can't remember. He handed sure. it on the line, and he definitely didn't mean to, and it was a red card. Now, that sh- for me, yeah. that shouldn't have been a red card. And I think if a player would have watched that, he would have just said, it's a yellow card. You know, it's bounced up and hit him. You, you know, and it was actually... Yeah. It had already hit him, and then it was going away from him. And that's what they gave it for that second bit of contact. But it was mm. the same with the one, you know, for us guys, Leicester, that there was a clear foul there, and it should have just been a free kick to us. Yes. And, and then, it, yeah. then for it to turn on its head and go so much, you know, 180 degrees against us, um, yeah. you know, it's absolutely frightening. I think I think that's what ex-players get frustrated with is is the people that are doing it, and, they, you know, they know the rules, they know football. They, they don't, they've never been in the heat of the moment of, of a game and that situation and, and, and actually what does go on. And, you know, when you get these things into super slow-mo, some things look really, really bad. But, you know, we all know yeah. that there's a tangle here and there everywhere. And, and you know, you, you might sort of see some more consistency and that's the word that I think we've been using for years with yeah. referees before VAR and then VAR and then you know VAR as it's moved on because last year last season it was ridiculous in the amount of stoppage time due to VAR um, and, and then they've sort of made it a little bit better this year they've got the referees going to the screens a lot more which I totally agree with because at yeah. the end of the day they're in charge of that match yeah. no one in a studio anywhere you know in a, you should be sat there saying that is the decision they should be mm. saying you need to look at that, which they have done in some cases, but you need to look at that and you need to make that call. Uh, but I totally agree. You know, I, I did watch that match of the day with Dion and Alan Shearer and, mm. and they were absolutely right. And like you say, it is that thing of knowing the rules of football, but having been in that situation. It's interpretation, isn't it? It's interpretation. It is, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, that's a great word. It's a great yeah. word, you know. And like these guys have never been on a football pitch in that position under that pressure mm. in front of that crowd, and you know they're not got that feel uh, for the game that that guys who've played it was. So you know, I think it'd be a great thing to get ex players yeah. in. I mean, we've we've literally got six officials at every match. So you've got um, a referee. You've got two what we now call referee assistants, linesmen. You've got a fourth official, um, and then you've got an, a VAR referee and an assistant VAR referee. So the six, and they are still getting it wrong. And we know that the linesman, you know, if it's on not on his side and he's looking through two or three bodies, we know it's going to be difficult for him. Same with the referee. Um and I, I was, I was a great champion of having VAR. People are saying that VAR is not fit for purpose. I honestly think VAR is fit for purpose. It's just the people that are using it that are not fit for purpose. They always say that the biggest nut in a in a car is the one behind the wheel, you know. And, it, and I, <laughs> it's the same with VAR because, as I say, it's just. And we're not going to, as I say, you don't expect 100% consistency, but we'd like to get over the 50%. And I just think ex-players doing that, yeah, you said you'd love to do that. You know, you'd love to be involved. And, you know, you could you could look at things and make, and I think, I think fans would understand it more. I mean, Brad, who does this show a lot with me, says, oh, you know, if we could hear what they were saying, it would make some difference. I don't think it would, because I think you'd still be peed off, you know. And <laughs> I know I know the Burnley decision went against us, it went for us, and the Norwich. You know, it works in our favour sometimes as well. But I've got to be honest with you, I think Burnley were unlucky that that goal was disallowed. It was one of those, you know, toenails over the line sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do agree. And like you say, you know, the, the decisions should be nine at least I think 90 to 95 percent correct when mm. you can actually freeze yeah. it frame by frame go back it over and over again you've got so many different angles 
it, you know, they shouldn't still be getting it wrong now. I think the, the problem last year wasn't the getting it right or wrong. It was the time it was taking and, and you know, a toenail yeah. over past his toenail and, you know, yeah. all the lines on the pitch and, and then checking things that weren't clear and obvious mistakes. That's another thing that we hear people saying a lot. So, yeah. you know, there might be, you know, half a centimetre in it, but that should just be let go. That's just the game and, you know, how, how quick it is. And we don't want to slow it down too much, which I felt we did last year. You know, it was... Um, yeah, it re- really slowed it down quite a lot. So that's got better. And I think we followed, like, I know in Germany a lot, the, the referee goes over to the screen. But like you say, the, the the decisions for me, they've got to be nearly spot on every single time. Or yeah. or really, you know, is it is it as good as we think it is? I mean, the problem is, I think at the moment, when the referee goes over to the screen, he just sees a still. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't tell, you know, it's like, what tells you more about something, a picture or a video clip? And the video yeah. clip, obviously. So, I mean, Scott, who, who who's one of our presenters, I mean, again, I, you know, he says that we should, maybe should have some uh, an opportunity like we do, like doing tennis and cricket in question. You can challenge certain decisions. Again, I don't know whether we we can go down that road or not. But I, I can say, for me, I'm a great advocate. Let's get the ex players in. They'd love to do it. You said you'd love to do it. And you know, there's so many ex players that. We lose to the game that can bring so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. I, I've never one. understood why they've not offered ex-players the chance to be referees, actual referees. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. is it the yeah. fact that you don't want to when you left? Or <laughs> I don't know. I mean, after after all the surgery I've had, I couldn't get around the pitch. If I'm honest with you, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I think it may be that thing of a of a, of a player you know, seeing what it's mm. like to be a referee. I mean, I, I've, you know, my lad plays junior football and you're always trying desperately, you know, to encourage these yeah. young referees to come through because it's so difficult for them. And, you know, then they get then they get promoted into the men's local Sunday league and that, that's sheer hell. And if they get through that, they deserve to be a Premier League referee for me. But, yes. Um... yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to teach, uh, coach my son um, with, with one club. I was... I was I was FA qualified part one, which basically is a fancy title for saying an enthusiastic father. And, um, <laughs> but the abuse I used to get off fathers and mothers from players on my own team, if I gave a decision against our team, was like yeah. five minutes before we were chatting and asked me if I wanted to go for a drink. <laughs> whistle goes and they're effing and blinding at me. I'm like, God, what's going on? One last thing on VAR before we move on is should VAR, in fact, no, 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 I'll save that. I will save that because it will fit in nicely with um, something that's coming up later. So moving on to, to number three, um, which was Leicester City back in Europe. Um, we've finally got a tough group. Uh, we've had a, you know, let's be honest with you, uh, we had an easy group in the Champions League, uh, an easy group, to be fair, in the Europa League. We couldn't have done better if we picked it ourselves. So it's about time we had a difficult group, I think. And, you know, you've got Napoli, one of the favourites to win it, Champions League themselves not so long ago, Moscow and Warsaw, to whom we're going on Thursday. Napoli, 2 nil up at some point, I mean, at one point, I mean, I mean, it was all going. I know you've, you've, you've not watched the game, but I know we were at home. But two-two, I think, was a good good result for us. 
Well, I, I have I've watched it on catch up, and uh, yeah. I, I did in the end because I thought you know our game was uh, to contain them, hit them on the counter. You know, the first goal uh, epitomised that totally. I mean, even the both goals did in fact. Obviously, the Barnes one at the end where we yeah. you know we, we go and break away, and you know we soaked the pressure up well. But they did create you know it's got to be five or six really good chances before they scored. So yeah. you know you could see that they had the potential there. They were quite relentless. Um, in the way they went about the game. And I think the disappointment is, is when you're 2-0 up after 60-odd minutes, you know, you're thinking, we just, you know, we, we managed the game a bit better uh, yeah. and we see it out and we just didn't do that. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, we conceded the first one uh, and then the, the momentum's right with them. And, the, and you know, we sh- I think at 2-0, we should have maybe changed it a little bit uh, mm. and looked to really, really look after what we'd got. Um, and I think pro- possibly we thought, keep playing the same way, we might break away and get a third. And it didn't go that way. It went totally the other way. So on 2-2 on the night for the quality of both teams I saw was, for me, a fair result. But disappointed that we put ourselves in such a really good position uh, and let that slip because that would have been a great you know, start to the campaign. It, it, it would have been. And at 2-0, I was watching it with my son. We were... You know, we were cheering and up and getting in there. I mean, you know, it's funny because possession was kind of of evened out. I didn't realise this, just having a look now at the stats, that we actually had seven attempts on goal. They actually had 22 (laughs) <laughs> and I, maybe, maybe I was. Uh, I did have a beer when I was watching it with my son, but I didn't. I didn't think I was. Uh, I was that drunk. I don't remember them having. But apparently, they had twenty-two. But they were shooting all over the place because uh, only thirty-two percent were on target. Um, mm. A lot more of ours was on target. But in a way, you know, I mean, Napoli. If they were that good, they'd be in the Champions League, to be honest with you. But they weren't the Napoli that I was expecting. No, they weren't, but you know they've still got a lot of quality in there. And I think with the shots, I think if you look at the stats on the shots, I can understand that, as, as you've said it, just because you know we did defend the box really well. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as we got back to the eighteen-yard box, we were very stoic. People behind the ball, we made it very difficult for them to get anywhere near coming into that area, which for me was the the big disappointment uh, with the second goal, which is just a ball in the box and a yeah. you know, I mean, not unchallenged header, but. Not a very, not a great challenge for the header. I mean, that's coming in, and then you're a centre half. You should be just clearing your lines and taking the man with you. So, you know that that was a bit disappointing. But I think up until that point of that goal, we'd really defended the box well, and that would explain, you know, why they only had 32 percent on target. But uh, mm-hmm. I do think they've still got a lot of quality. Still, probably favourites for the competition. Uh, and like I say, it's a shame. It's a good result, but it's a shame it wasn't, you know, the win. But hopefully, we'll still progress. Yeah. Um... Like you say, I mean they, they are they are still a, a, a very and they've got a great start in Italy as well. Two points I want to sort of end on with, with Napoli is because somebody said to me, you know, wouldn't you like that stand you know, you wouldn't like that standard of refereeing in the Premier League? And I went, actually having the last couple of games, that would have probably been a step up from the sort of refereeing we've seen in the Premier League. But I mean a red card in the ninety-fourth minute, well, a second yellow, if you like. Over-enthusiastic ref, or should indeed he really have not been going for that? Um, I'm, me, I'm, I'm with the ref on this one. I, I thought it was, on a yellow card, the most ridiculous thing he could have done mm. as a player. It was, you know, there's no subtlety about it, you know, whatsoever. Uh, Irish, Irish. Um, no, no subtlety at all. 
I think he's always going to get the yellow card out. Refs can't afford not to in that situation when it's so obvious. And I mean, and I, I hate I hate challenges like that. I mean, you know, in our day it was a lot different and we could really go through someone and it wouldn't even be a yellow and the game's sort of changed a lot. But I'm really now getting to hate the deliberate fouls. Uh, and as much as I love the challenge in my day, but we were always hard and in your face and, you know, put them over the touchline. But it was a fair hard tackle, which you're obviously not allowed to do now. But I'm actually mm-hmm. leaning towards these deliberate fouls being red cards because I'm sick of seeing them. I hate yeah. time wasting and I hate the, di- you know, when there's absolutely no intent whatsoever, you know, to go for the ball, I think it should be punished more. And, th- and th- the thing is, Chris, is that we always talk about how do we stop diving? How do we stop this? How do we stop these mm-hmm. professional fouls? You punish people for them yeah, regularly, totally. week in, week out. I've said it before about the diving. You get a, a panel retrospectively of ex-players, as we've already talked about tonight with the VAR, yeah. ex-referees, ex-managers, and you can clearly, you know, if, if it's not clear, then, you know, it goes by the wayside. But you look at a lot of incidents, and if you think he's cheating and you all agree, he, you know, he's fined a week's wages, he's suspended the games. The wages won't bother him whatsoever. But, no. you know, the manager's going to get a bit hacked off if he's getting suspended every week for throwing himself on the floor. And he'd soon eradicate it from the game, in my opinion. Uh, and it's the same with this professional foul. I just think, you know, make it a red card. Will it last long? No, people will stop doing it because the managers will be going mental that you're getting a red card for such a... a it's a lazy, you know, cheat uh, of a foul for me. And I'd like mm. to see it out of the game. I, I was at, well, I was going to save this until the next section, but seeing as, as you brought it up, I'm getting a bit worried tonight whether I'm getting, um, I'm no longer the Mr. Nasty of Leicester Do I Do, because I agreed with Brad so much earlier, and I'm agreeing with you with everything here. <laughs> yeah, yes, totally. Um, that, yeah, let, let's cut this out. I mean, I've started, I've discovered on ITV4 the big match revisited. And, <laughs> The other night I was watching, uh, or day, whenever it was, Chelsea versus Charlton. Actually, a top of the second tier battle. That's how, you know, and Chelsea were actually in the second tier. My God, you hardly heard the ref's whistle. No, I know no, it was no, only no. highlights, but you yeah. there was there was tackles going in that, you know, that was... Um, you, you, I say you'd be sent off these days for, and I'm thinking, like, the game flowed, and... The pitch was awful, you know. Mm. You, couldn't, you couldn't play tippy tappy football on there. But yes, if you see somebody cheating, it's like let's say, for example, I don't want to give it away for the section we're coming on next. But in the Euros, when that Italian guy, I can't remember his name, went down in the box, suddenly when Italy scored, he yeah. got up and ran off to celebrate. You've got everything on VAR. You've got everything on camera, so you can go back yeah. and watch the game. And that yeah. should be a red card because, yes, yeah. like you said, he'll miss a game. You know, make that red card say one game. He misses the game. It will soon pee the manager off, like you said. You know, if he, he, all his players are, are, are missing the card, uh, are missing mm-hmm. the games because because of this. So, yeah, I agree totally that. Anything that is against the spirit of the game, time wasting, anything like that, get out a red card retrospectively mm. and it would soon yeah. put an end to it. Absolutely. Well, we'll come on to that more in a second in the next section, but I just want to touch on your thoughts on if you come third in the Champions League group, you drop into the Europa League. If you come third in the Europa League group, so let's say we, we come third in our group, we will drop into the conference. I don't think that's fair. We finished second in our group this season. 
and we are going to be playing somebody that's dropped down from the Champions League, whoever that that may be. Now it might not be, you know, a, a good team, but like last season, Man United got all the way to the final, were one shot off possibly winning it. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love to see British teams doing well. I can't believe I'm gonna I'm saying this, but all joking with Man United fans aside and or banter aside, I would have liked to see Man United win it. Um I really want them to beat Villarreal tomorrow after what they did to Fafana. But is it right that a team that's failed in one cup competition, which Man United had, could then go on and possibly win the next one? No, I think think it's this thing in Europe, you know, obviously the Super League came and went very quickly, Mm -hmm. but it's this thing about looking after the bigger clubs. You know, you've yeah. you've been kicked out of a tournament because you've not you've underperformed or you've not performed as well as your opponents. But we're going to give you another chance because you're one of the top clubs. Yeah, and I, I think yeah. it's absolutely disgusting. You're in a competition, yeah. you don't perform, you don't qualify, you're out of the competition. It, it that's in every competition in any sport, you know, globally. Uh, and yet all of a sudden it's because they're a bigger club and we want to keep them happy. You know, it's uh, well you can have another crack at the win. And it, you know, how can you how can that be a qualification for that competition in the same season? It it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but it it is this thing I think about the hierarchy, the money in the game, and in giving the you know sugarcoating it for one of the bigger clubs who might sort of go out at a stage they didn't expect to go out at, um, Mm -hmm. and and giving another opportunity to win something else. And it it stinks to high heaven, but uh, I don't think it's something me or you are going to change, Chris. No, I mean, the funny thing is, as far as I understand it. If we finish third, like say we drop down, but if we get through and then play, say a Champions League team that a top team that's just through games as not qualified, but then we get knocked out, we're actually out. Where the team that's finished below us is going yeah. to get a better run. It doesn't make sense, mate. It really doesn't. But like I say, it starts at the top and trying to look after those bigger teams and it just yeah. really cocks the whole system up for me. So, yeah, yeah. not a fan of that. Something else we're agreeing on. Now, <laughs> <laughs> thank God this is on tape. It may never happen again, folks. It may never happen again. Now, this one, uh, this may be where, where we differ. I'm not I'm not sure. But uh, I, I have a soft spot. I lived in Burnley for 20 years. My kids could have been Burnley fans if they wanted. I didn't mind that because they were born in Burnley, they grew up in Burnley. Uh, I just didn't want them supporting Man United, Chelsea or whatever because they were on the telly. Um, But I've lost a lot of respect for Burnley as a club because of this incident in the last game. Uh, Maxwell Cornet, gamesmanship or cheat? To me, there's a very thin line. And I had a Burnley fan on last night and to be honest with you, he was agreeing with me that that player knew that he'd, he'd pulled something, because you know straight away you've pulled something, kicked the ball out, ran off the pitch. He then came back on the pitch and collapsed. And it was, it was, it was time-wasting. One, one of those scenes where you've said they should look back at that and say, there's a red for cheating. I don't because... think you should look back at it, Chris. I think it should be a yellow card. I mean, well, all time, yellow card. you see, you see yeah. players now still kicking the ball away, but they did. They think they're being a bit cute and all that. But you mm. know that the whistle's gone. You know, you a referee can see if a player's kicking the ball away or not. And for me, it should be a yellow card. And if he has to yeah. dish two or three out, he dishes two or three out. And again, it, it stops it happening. But while we 
let it happen and just say, hey, don't do that again, or mm. I'll tell you not to do it again the next time you do it again. You know, nothing's going to change. And simple with that, the referee should have walked up to him and said, that's a yellow card. And if he'd already been booked, that's a red yeah. card, and yeah. off you go, son. And you've cost your team because he's done it deliberately to give them time mm. to get a substitution on. So, yeah. you know, he's the manufacturing the rules. Whereas at the end of the day, if he's off the pitch and he's injured, he should stay off the pitch. So it's his re-entry. I, I would book him and make that a rule, but... In, in fairness to the to the referee, and I know we're not been referees fans tonight, but in fairness to that referee, he did actually book him uh, oh, right. on, on that occasion. Sure. But then Sean Dyche comes out, says, "Oh, he shouldn't have been booked," and B, oh, he, he you know, he's, he's only just come over to this league. He does, he, you know, <laughs> well, bollocks to put it bluntly. And then somebody said, like, oh, he was testing his foot to see if it would, you know, take, you know, yeah. how it, you could do that off the pitch. I mean, Casper yeah. went up, and I was I was actually willing Casper to put his arms under the other guy's armpits and drag him off the pitch. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, to say that he's getting used to this country, I mean, the, the, the rules are the same, you know, all around the yeah. world. So it's yeah. just them trying. I mean, the, the, all they're doing is sticking up for the player and, and, and sort of trying to make light of it, where really they're sort of thinking that we're all mugs if we actually believe anything they've just said, which is where you kind of lose respect for people. I, I love managers mm. to come on and say, how it is. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. Steve Bruce blames VAR every week. Uh, you know, Sean Dyche yeah. is a bit, you know, doesn't really sort of admit that something went wrong or a player has did anything wrong. And I think that's with quite a few of the managers, to be honest. It'd be nice and very refreshing if one sort of came on and said, yeah, tactically, uh, we didn't get it right today. Or it wasn't, you know, the result wasn't, the VAR wasn't the be-all and end-all. We were actually beaten on the day by a better team. But if there's any yeah. chance of using any tiny you know amount of something technical that happened uh they'll always point to that and again i think it's just ridiculous but do you know what maybe that. maybe i'm uh maybe i'm getting old here because i am uh, i am getting old there's no there's no two ways about it the person i see in the mirror is not the person that i know is in my head but um i grew up in the 70s, which was sort of not the best year for fashion, but was a, a decade for fashion. But, oh, God, I love those flares and platform shoes, I'll tell you. <laughs> big, big collars and kipper ties. Yeah, the, and the pictures are around, and I, I am slowly destroying them. But <laughs> it was a good it was a good decade for likes of Liverpool. And what I used to like about Liverpool is, yes, they won everything, but nobody particularly hated them like they did, say, Man United when they won everything because the Liverpool managers, Shankly, Paisley, etc., would come out and say, because I remember Leicester, the season we came up with Jock Wallace, we went straight back down again, but we actually beat them twice. We were the first team to beat them at Anfield for however many years and the first team to do the double over them for so many years. And he actually came out and went, yeah, we deserve to lose. Leicester were the better team. And, mm. you know, I think that's why managers back then had a lot more respect from opposing fans. Like you said, they, they were honest. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, I've said before, it, it, if there's anything they can point to that means it wasn't their fault and it wasn't the players' fault, mm. they point to it straight away. And, I, you know, I think I, we're all watching it and it's like they're treating us like mugs because we mm. can all see what's happened in the game. And sometimes when they, you know, um, they'll contest a VAR decision. I think, well, no, it's black and white, that one. It's actually yes. quite clear, but in their minds, it's not. You know, I mean, and a good good example of that, if I'm honest, is the one, you know, the one that you've mentioned earlier, which was um, Agol getting disallowed because of Barnes. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the Villa, was it the Villa goal that was? The Villa goal against Man United. The, the yeah. only thing I will say is that if you look where the keeper was, 
So Barnes was sort of in front of the keeper, and, and but the ball travelled to that post, whereas mm. the Villa goal travelled to that post, the near post, and maybe he didn't feel he was impeding because Raleigh was very close to him. He, he actually wasn't disturbing him to the side of the goal where it went in. So I'm not saying that I should have been disallowed, if I'm honest, but it, it did look a bit different in that respect in, into which way yeah. the ball travelled in and where the play was stood, uh, yeah. you know, with, yeah. with regards to where the keeper was as well. No, you're quite right. Well, we're going to have the um, viewers' questions in one second, but uh, we will be right back and do that straight after this. Leicester till I die TV. Please press those buttons on YouTube for more Leicester City content. It is. We're back tomorrow night at seven o'clock uh, with the Europa League preview. Um, I'll be joined then by Jason, our new presenter, uh, who's been doing his homework on Legia Warsaw. And I think he's going to find a lot to talk about because they're having a kind of our season at the moment. They are really, really going through a bad time. But Julian, probably, I don't know whether you're looking forward to this or not, but <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, the view, viewers' questions. I, 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 there's no dirty ones that I've seen, but um, let, let's have a look. Um, so we'll go right back to, to, to the start because there was an early question. Um, where are we? Um, Scott says here, yep, this is where Scott was the first one. Do you feel the likes of Madison is just low on confidence or is his injuries playing on his mind? Uh, it doesn't strike me as a person. But yeah, I mean, you never know really, do you? But no, it doesn't strike no. me as a person low on his confidence. You know, uh, you know, he's around the England squad and what have you. Very, very good player. I think, I mean, the, the facts have been dropped in the way that like, we've talked about the formation already might play on his mind a bit. The injuries might be playing on his mind. I mean, is it something that is fully over? It's funny with injuries sometimes mm. where you, it can still be a bit of a niggle a bit later on or it might not be that, but you, in your mind you think it is and every little knock that you get, you think is it related yeah. to that. So I'm not really sure on that. I think it's more to do with the the way we're playing, the chopping the change. And sometimes a player's form can depend on what's going on around him and what his teammates are doing. You know, it's not always, mm. you know, down to him. He's, for me, a very, very talented player. Um, and just let's hope that whatever it is, whether confidence or injuries, he, uh, he starts to, you know, his straps again. But uh, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting in how we play. Um, I mean, Thursday night for me, I think sometimes people see the Europa as a, is it a bit of a hindrance? Does it distract from the league? And right now where we are, I'd be using that match thinking more about the league game on Sunday and, and you know, how we're going to move forward because we do need a run of good results and we've not we had do, that yet yeah. this season. There's there's nothing consistent about us at the moment and I think it's a perfect match where, you, you know, is the aim to win the Europa League or top four? It's a bit of a difficult one, that, because both get into the Champions League, don't they? So, exactly, exactly. Um, well, you know, at the mm -hmm. moment, what's the likelihoods of a top four? It's the, the top's looking really tough at the moment. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, it'd be interesting to see the formation Interesting on team selection. Uh, let's see where they go. 
And for me, I'd like to see a bit more of Dakar. The only thing I think, I mean, for once, the FA has actually made some right decisions, is that if you play in the Europa League or the Conference League on the Thursday, you only you don't play before the Sunday, so there's yeah, no Saturday yeah, game. No, so, right. yeah. you know, that, 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 that is something. Uh, I mean, talk about the injuries. I suppose when you've had an injury, and, and it, it's just being human, is you are a little bit worried about setting it off again. You know, if you... Oh, if, you know, if you pulled a hamstring and you think, God, if I run for that ball and it's your first or second game back, is it going to go again? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had an hamstring injury later on in my life and when mm. I, uh, it sort of was a niggling one and, you know, I'd have treatment and I think I missed a game or two and then I'd be back. And then I really did rip it to shreds on New Year's Day down at Bournemouth, funnily enough, uh, <laughs> yeah. on very cold New Year's Day after about 15 mm. minutes. And that was me out. I think it was for about six or seven weeks. Wow. But it had been, yeah. I, I could still feel it, but they were telling me that there would be that ache in the muscle anyway. But it was just that moment when I really overstretched without, with, you know, total abandonment. And, and it absolutely, you know, tore it to shreds. So uh, yeah. I've also had a metatarsal injury that actually, the crack in my foot happened three times. Oh, and on the third right occasion, they had to put a, a screw uh, in my foot, which is oh. still in there now. But I mean, it was fine after that. But there was always that worry in my head that I'd done it three times. You know, what if the screw yeah. didn't work and it would go again? But, you know, luckily for me, uh, it didn't. But the, so things like that definitely, you know, definitely play on your mind. Um, I've, got, I've got to ask. I've got to ask. Screw in the foot. Um, airport security. I've now got a metal ankle joint as well, just to go on the other oh, side on the right. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, it's like the, the gums come out when I go through the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, through the step out, yeah. Your picture's up on the wall as you go out of me. I walk through with my hands up like, yeah, come on, search me. <laughs> I'm ready for you. Come on. Um, yeah. Terry asks here, uh, does you do you think that we have? Sorry, do you think the fact that we have a shaky defence hits the confidence of the forward players? Uh, good question, uh, Terry. I don't think it. it I don't think it um, hits the confidence of them. But what it can do is, if you, you know, if, if Vardy and uh, you know Perez and whatever think that they're playing well, but the the concern is that we can't defend, it can cause a little bit of unrest in the team, and that depends on the dynamics of the team. I was very lucky at Leicester that we really were such a strong, strong group that someone made a mistake. We picked them up. You know, they were. It, it was an unbelievable camaraderie, mainly because we were out on the lash together most of the time. <laughs> we, got, we got really close like that. But, yeah. you know, in this day and age, there's a lot of money at stake and there's a lot of egos in changing rooms now, a lot bigger than, than, than you know, 20 years ago. And I think that is one of the dangers. And if you've got a really good group of lads, it, it doesn't happen. If you've got one or two, you know, bigger egos who are, you know, I want, I want to be playing in Champions League, you know, year in, year out. I want this, I want that. You can all of a sudden, after a run of games, particularly not the odd game, but a run of games of, you know, some players really struggling uh, and you can sort of get that undercurrent in the team of, you know, he's not doing it and it's costing us, you know, and I've yeah. experienced that, not at Leicester, but, you know, uh, at other clubs. So, and, and that's a, it's a real sort of dangerous thing that can run through the team. So yeah. yeah, so to answer your question, Terry, not not the confidence, but it, it can have ramifications on the you know the, the mood in the in the camp and the team itself. No, I get, I, I can see that. Scott quickly says here, would you play Barnes, Vardy, Nacho up front with Samari indeed in Tillemans in midfield in a four three three, or possibly drop Barnes for Luckman or Daka? Um, I think with me, I mean, and we see other clubs do it, so it's a good question, Scott. Um, you know, I, I've never. 
I don't like Mason Greenwood playing outside. I'm, I think he's a striker. Whereas Rashford, I don't, I'm not sure he is a main striker. No. I think Dakar, um, you know, and Vardy, you know, and Ineacho, for me, they're, they're strikers and they should be competing for either replacing the top one or the top two. I would actually like to see uh, Barnes and Luckman because I think they're more natural in that either side. They've both yeah. got a bit of quality. They've both got pace. They can both score a goal so they can cut in and score as you know, both have shown, particularly Barnes. And um, mm. so for me, that would be my ideal lineup. And it's be, you know, I, I don't, a lot of people, I think Jamie get, you know, clocks up another birthday and it's like, he's lost his pace. I'm not so sure he has, if I'm honest, you know, I still see, I still see <laughs> no. that hunger in him and that desire to go and win the ball back and tackle and make the runs in behind more than I think I do any other strike. And I think what we've got at the minute is really exciting. So if it was a three, uh, Scott, to ask the question, for me, it would be Vardy, Luckman and Barnes. Uh, but I think I'd be more looking at a two this year with the fact that we've got the option of uh, Iniacho, who did so well last year again, yeah, alongside yeah. Vardy. And then we've got Dakar, who looks like me, a really exciting prospect. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, like I say, it, it could be exciting exciting times ahead. Um, another one from Scott, and we'll make, we'll make this the last one. We, we, we've, we've done the hour. Uh <laughs> And he does say it's the last question from me. Uh, and this is a really good question, actually. Uh, not that Scott doesn't normally ask good questions, of course, but I do like this question. Do you find that Brendan is better at coaching players rather than making tactical changes? Don't get me wrong. I love the fact we have Brendan, but it's just a thought. And we have heard there was a lot on social media after um, the game at the weekend. Uh, maybe one or two murmurs against Brendan, but... Is he, is he a better coach than he is maybe a manager? Thanks for that, Scott. I hope Brendan's not watching tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's funny. I mean, as you know, we I talked about it right at the start. For me, you know, it's this. I've always said it about the England managers of the past, the Capellos, mm. you know, and uh, the Ericsons, that they always got it wrong in that they put the best 11 individuals and squeeze them into a formation. In them days, yeah. the formation was 4-4-2. Uh, and yeah. it's a bit different now. But, you know, like right now, is Brendan trying to squeeze his best players into the formation when, mm. you know, and I, I think we've touched on before the Perez situation where he does seem to, to like him a lot. And again, the responsibility that I mentioned earlier of, of spending the money on him. And it, for me, it looks a bit like that now. Uh, whereas... I think a manager makes some really tough decisions and maybe leaves out Perez and Madison and whoever to to just get that balance right of, of what the team's going to be. Is it going back? I'm not saying I'm not saying the back three is the answer, but it just looked no. strong last year. And Iniacho thrived at the side of another striker, and it yes, would be Vardy to start with if it was those two, and maybe Daka later on the game. Who for me is another one like Vardy who's going to look to get in behind with his pace. He makes good runs. You know, the, 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 for me, the, it looks like with three strikers who could possibly score as a lot of goals, you really need to have a formation that has a two up top because you're going to rotate the three players. You know, and Lugman can play there as well, you know, and I'm sure yeah. Barnes could do a job, you know, either side of that. But, yeah, so so for me, um, yeah, tactically, you know, there may be some questions. I wouldn't question him because I, I think he's a very, very good manager. And, yeah. again, we're, we're probably getting a bit, too carried away a bit early in the season and we're all very, very disappointed on the highs of previous seasons and the expectations yeah. that we've carried over. You know, we've all had a bad time in COVID. You know, there's lights at the end of the tunnel. We did well last season. We've got the fans back in the ground. We're all, 
you know, buzzing for the game again. And, and it's just not quite happened. So yeah. I think you've got to give it another five games. Like I say, the two European games coming up. Um, I think we've got, we've got Palace next and then the tough one, yeah. which is Man United. You know, yeah. two two very different games and two very good te- tests in, in, in very different ways. So I think in four or five games, we could then probably look, sit back here and say, yeah, do you know what? It's not going right this season. Or, you know, we've turned the corner. There were some teething mm-hmm. problems, a couple of new players, but we've now got it sorted and, you know, let's build from that. So, yeah, I'd like to give it a bit more time on that one. I must admit, I, 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 this season has just proved me to say not to know a thing about football. You know, because I, I said, I said Brighton would be sort of struggle again this season. <laughs> Look at them. Yeah. I said Vieira wouldn't be able to do a very good job at Palace. Look at them. <laughs> I have predicted Chelsea to win the league, so I might get away with that one. But I also said that this is probably Jamie Vardy's last season as as our first choice striker. But like you just said. I don't know. (laughs) He's just like, you never know. I want to sneak this one in uh, as a very last question here. Any any plans for a book, Julian? (laughs) And he says, thanks for your time. Terry, Terry, you're very, very kind. I don't think I've got enough funny stories for a book, if I'm honest with you. (laughs) It was, I've I've got to be honest, I I always sort of, um, when people had asked me about oh, what was my career like, and I always just said, oh, it was all right. I did okay. And then as I've got a bit older, probably it's probably more the age thing than the actual career, but I actually mm-hmm. felt, well, do you know what? When I look back, it, it wasn't that bad, to be honest. I, I ended up with a couple of medals. Yeah. You know, I played Premier League football. I played, I was lucky to play in an era of all the Europeans coming over, the Viales and the Zolas and the Cantonas mm-hmm. and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I probably did myself down a bit in the early days. So You've um, got the chapter purely on <laughs> purely on setting the uh, the shin up haven't you yeah 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 i mean i'm sure i could string that out to a few pages yeah so uh, uh yeah but no, oh, a chapter no at least to... surely yeah. at least yeah yeah no, no plans yet terry but it's a, it's a nice thought thank you <laughs> julian it's been brilliant as always thank you so much for coming on we've already got an idea of one of the topics for next week absolutely um, and we'll be hopefully say, subject to, to everything being all right. We will see you nine o'clock next Tuesday. Don't touch that dial, as they used to say in my day. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks very much. All the best to you and your family, Julian. Thank you. No worries, for thanks, Chris. On. Cheers, Thank everyone. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye bye. So, I'm surprised. I I agreed with a lot of what he said. Or did he agree with a lot of what I said? You could look at it either way, really. I, I like to probably think he agreed with a lot of what I said. Hmm. Don't if I get away with that. <laughs> Thanks very much for watching. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, we are going to be looking at uh, Leicester City's first away trip of the Europa, Europa League. It's not easy for me to say, as we discuss uh, Legia Warsaw versus Leicester. Uh, they're having a hard time of it at the moment. Maybe just like we are. Could be interesting. And that is at 7 o'clock, and we will see you then. Thanks for joining us, guys. Have a good night now. Good night. Hello, Matt Elliott here. Be sure to watch Leicester Till I Die TV on YouTube and follow all their social media platforms for all the latest updates and news on Leicester City Football Club. Thanks for watching Leicester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye, and see you next time.
but the fun doesn't have to stop here. If you have any questions, suggestions or feedback, head over right now to Twitter and Facebook and like, share and get involved. Join us next time. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.